take 37, take 58. Will we get this darn thing recorded? It's 5.35 in the a.m. It may be Tuesday morning, uh, this here October 19th, the year of our uh, big baby Jesus Christ, 2021. For the Lord, for Jesus, and all other such types of things. All right, so WineCellarMedia.com. Let's take a look at this fun little story over here <clears throat> with a judge you may have seen in your newsfeed, uh, Judge Donna Scott Davenport. Who in the funk is Judge Donna Scott? Uh, da- Donna Scott Davenport um, uh, seems to have began her education in Tigerville, South Carolina, um, at North Greenville University. She received her bachelor's degree and her master's degree in criminal justice from Middle Tennessee, uh, Middle Tennessee State University, and then her doctorate of jurisprudence. <laughs> that Anglo-American jurisprudence. Well, she got that doctorate from the Nashville School of Law. She was recently named a fellow by the Center for Juvenile Justice Reform at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. All right. And that's a, that's a pretty fair deal. Just a little bit more. She also uh, co-founded a Rogers and Scott private law practice in 1995. And Judge Davenport also took on the job of a part-time a juvenile court referee, now called a magistrate. When that was one year into practicing private law, and Judge Davenport began teaching as an adjunct professor in Middle Tennessee State University. The official appointment to Rutherford Court Juvenile Court was made in 1999, and she became referee Donna Scott. All right, a little bit more. So, that Center for Juvenile Justice Reform... Uh, let's, uh, let's see what they're about, all right, in their own words. In my career, I began to see some common elements that were very challenging for communities to work with around how do systems come together and, in a sense, behave differently in order to benefit the children and youth and families they were serving who are present in those multiple systems. Systems are interesting things. They always begin with good intentions, policies, sometimes become institutionalized in ways that don't result in the best for kids and families. Each system views its role very individually, very specifically, and there's not an understanding of sort of the full youth or how to holistically manage a youth. CJJR creates a platform for leaders to think differently they can digest, they can learn, and they can begin to plan and strategize. Whether it's through our certificate programs, through our practice models, through our distance learning programs, our task is to take that body of knowledge and to translate it into real tools that systems can use. We aren't confined to our own academic setting. We bring in leaders from around the country as instructors, other academics and researchers, other practitioners. We combine the best of all worlds research, data, as well as the kind of knowledge and information effectively conveyed to the field. We practice in this little laboratory here at Georgetown University, and then we build the relationships necessary to really implement those practices when we go back to the jurisdiction and the work that we're doing. All right. 
And that is the uh, Center for Juvenile Justice Reform in Georgetown University in their own words. Right there on their um, on the About Us part of their website. Um, and they say they support and educate uh, leaders across systems of care to advance a balanced multi-system approach to improving outcomes. Ooh, is my volume way up? To improving outcomes for and promoting the positive development of youth at of youth at risk of juvenile justice involvement. Uh, Shea Bilchik, one of the country's most influential voices in juvenile in the juvenile justice arena, founded the center in 2007. And uh, Michael Umpier, Umpierie looks French as hell. Umpierie, U M P I E R R E. You educated bastards. Um, <laughs> and that person's the current director who works closely with Georgetown's other policy centers and departments in leading the center's efforts. All right. And so uh, back to Judge Donna Scott Davenport. All right. They um, remember they began their education in Tigersville and they uh, do 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 receive their master's degree. And they were recently named a fellow by the Center for Juvenile Justice Reform at Georgetown University of Washington, D.C. All right. And um, there is a little message here from uh, from this uh, Judge Davenport uh, about, um, you know, if, if, if you if you suspect that maybe there could be children skipping school and whatnot and you think that's probably your business. What does uh, the judge say? One thing that you might uh, want to do, and there again, you're not butting in, you are concerned about a child's safety and education, is you may want to call the Department of Children's Service Child Protective Service Hotline. And I have that number, 877-237-0004. The more facts you have to give when you call in, the better for the investigation. And uh, depending on the urgency of that referral would be when they would respond to that. And they may find out that they are homeschooling. Or, or maybe they're visiting in their school system in another state is different than ours. And they may be here a week or two and the break may be different. But they will go and check every investigation. And what's so great about these DCS referrals now that didn't used to be, if you wanted to know the outcome of an investigation you had to leave your name and your address and they would send you a letter and let you know what the outcome was and a lot of people are hesitant in leaving their name though it's totally confidential now you can do it by email they give you a number and you go in and check the status yourself one thing yeah these be it's it's kind of a bit of a similarity with the um with the Texas um, uh, forced birth law, right? Seems like a bit of a similarity. Like, just uh, just fuck with people because you feel like it. <laughs> but um, that's a, a little bit more about this individual that you uh, you may have seen in your news feed. All right, that's the kind of uh, message coming out there from a judge. All right, but now something uh, seems to be going on. Uh, right now, it's October 18th. This was published on October 13th. Um, an article by Nancy Dedo, uh, De Gennaro. Uh, that's uh, D-E-G-E-N-N-A-R-O. 
maybe Italian? I don't really know. Um, on the Daily News Journal, uh, Middle Tennessee State University has cut ties with the Rutherford County um, juvenile judge Donna Scott Davenport. Again, there's that name, Donna Scott Davenport. And um, remembering that, uh, doop doop doop, that after co founding the Rogers and Scott private law practice in 1995, uh, Judge Davenport took on a job part-time, a juvenile court referee called a magistrate, one year into practicing law, and uh, became te- began teaching as an adjunct professor in Middle Tennessee State University. All right? So, there was something that they liked about her in the beginning. She was the same person. <laughs> All right, but... Um, but the uh, Middle Tennessee State University has cut ties with the Rutherford County Juvenile Judge Donna Scott Davenport, according to an email sent Tuesday afternoon by President Sidney McPhee uh, to the faculty and staff. The juvenile judge uh, garnered recent media attention related to an $11 million lawsuit settlement with the Rutherford County government regarding the illegal arrest and incarceration of juveniles. A quote from the email to the university um, community, adjunct instructor Judge Donna Scott Davenport, whose actions overseeing Rutherford County Juvenile Court have been recently drawn, have recently drawn attention in national media report, uh, national media reports, is no longer affiliated with the university, end quote. That is very straight fucking forward. Um, Davenport who has served as the county's only juvenile court judge, who has served as the county's only juvenile court judge, who has served as the county's only juvenile court judge since being elected in 2000, has taught criminal justice as an adjunct instructor at MTSU for years. She is also a graduate of the university and delivered the commencement speech in 2015. The lawsuit um, targeted a Rutherford County uh, policy requiring deputies to arrest and detain juveniles on minor offenses. Lawyers for the juvenile said the policy violated Tennessee state law, which limits when youths can be arrested and locked up in juvenile detention. The breaking news story will be updated. Interesting things happening with the judge. But something else fun about old Judge Davenport here. Uh, from... February 16th, 2007, all right, this 2007, and it got updated in um, October 26, 2017, um, article by Lisa Marchesoni, M-A-R-C-H-E-S-O-N-I, nailed it, Marchesoni. All right, so <laughs> the headline here coming off the uh, Murfreesboro Post is, Work begins on a $25 million juvenile adult facilities. 
services for youths and families in juvenile court will be enhanced and women will work when incarcerated when the juvenile justice center and the correctional work centers obtain new facilities leaders of both facilities and former and present county commissioners officially broke ground on the $25 million project um, today on South Church Street in, fr in front of Rutherford County Correctional Work Center. The juvenile court judge, Donna Scott Davenport, was elated after waiting seven years for the work to begin. Services for youths and families in juvenile court will be enhanced and women will work, excuse me, women will work when incarcerated when the juvenile justice center and the correctional work um, centers obtain new facilities. Leaders of both facilities and former and present and, and present county commissioners officially broke ground on the $25 million project today on South Church Street in front of Rutherford County Correctional Work Center. The juvenile court judge, Donna Scott Davenport, was elated after waiting seven years for the work to begin. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. These folks really ran that paragraph twice in this article. <laughs> but she said, quote, Thank you, Lord, Donna, Donna Davenport said, as the shovels dug into the dirt. The Juvenile Justice Center will house Juvenile Court, the Detention Center, and Youth Services. It should be completed in March. About 80 beds will be added for women at the Correctional Work Center. About 260 more beds in a dormitory style will house men who are non-violent offenders who will work during their incarceration. It should be completed in December. Former County Commissioner Faye Elam, who chaired the um, Property Management Committee, said the new centers made the priority list in 2000. <laughs> Donna Scott Davenport first got elected in 2000. Um, it made the priority list in 2000 when the county received a $39 million estimate the county commission took control, did research, and accepted the less expensive $25 million project. There you go. Now that's, hey, that's conservatism, buddy. All right, you got, a. Hey, it's like a household budget. That's how you use government money, like a household budget. Um, the less expensive $25 million project. The architect is R.G. Anderson. The owner's representative is Jim Stivender of the Cornerstone Consulting Group. And the designer is Brian Toon of Toon Design in Chattanooga. Ralph Lee is the project manager. Elam described the project as a team effort through the research to groundbreaking stages. <laughs> the budget amount is uh, palatable to county taxpayers. Elam said Davenport said she knew when the county commission created the juvenile court judgeship 
they would uh, create a facility as well. Commissioners committed to putting families and at-risk children a priority um, said, quote, I see it as a blessed day and the first day of awesome things to come as we all work together to make sure that our troubled children are evaluated and treated and our abused children and troubled families are protected. Davenport looks forward to working with Correctional Superintendent Alan Miller and Detention Director Lynn Duke. Miller said the Correctional Work Center is a minimum secure is a minimum security facility housing prisoners who committed misdemeanors such as drug offenses, DUIs, and thefts. Inmates work at public jobs while incarcerated. Quote. The cost of keeping, pe- of keeping people in custody is tremendous. Having a workhouse-like environment allow you to benefit from workhouse labor. <laughs> Having a workhouse-like environment allows you to benefit from workhouse labor. We're just excited about this project It's taken tremendous work from both current and former county commissioners and county mayors. It's really not a dream anymore. It's a reality. End quote from Miller. Just a little bit more about that person that you may have seen in your newsfeed recently. And so now... The reason why you may have seen that person in your newsfeed recently, this coming off of the folks over there at PBS. A new investigation by ProPublica and Nashville Public Radio has uncovered an alarming pattern of arresting and detaining elementary school children in one Tennessee county. Lisa Desjardins has the story. Rutherford County, Tennessee, has detained a record number of children, some as young as seven years old in past years. Some were arrested for playground fights, others for cursing. In one 2016 case, four elementary school age girls were detained for failing to intervene in a fight. A disproportionate number of the children involved and arrested were black. Mariba Knight from National Public Radio is the lead writer on the report, and she joins us now. Thank you so much, Mariba. The focus is on this one county, Rutherford County, and an attorney there told you at at one point some 500 kids he thought had been arrested by mistake and another 1,500 detained over a point of time uh, as part of a jailing system that seems like it was subjective. Uh, Essentially, at at points, police and judge were deciding on how the kid looked or how the kid was acting in a moment, whether they would be detained. At the center of your story is the arrest of 11 children surrounding that idea of a fight, who intervened, who didn't. Can you explain exactly what happened with those kids and, and how? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, Essentially, you set it up really well. There were 11 children in all that were arrested for watching a fight. Uh, The two that were actually involved in fighting were so young, five and six, that uh, they weren't culpable for their actions, but the other children were. And they were arrested under the charge of criminal responsibility, which as we outlined in the story, was not even a real charge. It's a prosecutorial theory. So one can't be charged with criminal responsibility. One can be, say, charged with assault 
under criminal responsibility. But that's just the beginning of kind of the myriad mistakes that happened in this case. Uh, so yeah, they wound up arresting 11 kids in total using this charge. Uh, there were uh, a, an eight-year-old with pigtails arrested and handcuffed. Uh, a sixth grader fell to her knees. A fourth grader threw up in the assistant principal's office when she found out she was being arrested. It was just a terrible, terrible experience for these children and a terrible moment for this system. But it really shine a light on what was happening. Help us understand the role of those in power who seem to even create this system, an elected judge, and then also a police officer. How did this happen? Yeah, so these arrests, as you outlined, took place in Rutherford. A sixth grader fell to her knees. A fourth grader threw up in the assistant principal's office when she found out she was being arrested. It was just a terrible, terrible experience for these children and a terrible moment for this system. But it really shined a light on what was happening. Help Wait, it really shined a light on what was happening. Now, we were looking at an article on Murfreesboro Post where this person got in in 2000 expanding um, more labor-like work facilities that would be levied at the taxpayer became a priority with this person 21 years ago and it was publicly published. The light was there. No one cared because the system was just running. All right, let's shine the light. Let's understand the role of those in power who seem to even create this system, an elected judge, and then also police officers. How did this happen? Yeah, so these arrests, as you outlined, took place in Rutherford County, which, as we write in the story, had been illegally arresting and jailing kids for years, all under the watch of one judge, juvenile court judge Donna Scott Davenport. She has been the county's only juvenile court judge since 2000 when the court began. And she has a really outsized role. She oversees the courts and she oversees the juvenile jail. And up until this incident, she directed police on what she called our process for arresting kids, which basically was every child who was arrested, even for something minor like this or like truancy, they must first go to the jail. The judge told law enforcement this explicitly in a memo. This is not normal routine procedure with children. Um, then the second part of this is that once they got to the jail, they were subjected to something called the filter system, which was implemented by the jailer, Lynn Duke. And that was an overly broad assessment of what a child was deemed, whether a child was deemed a true threat. I can talk more about that, but it was overly broad, it was illegal, and it was happening for decades. You know, there's a lot of discussion about this topic of what incarceration does. The judge in this case has argued on radio shows that this policy was meant to build character and that kids would come out of this detention system better. What did you find about how kids were affected? Oh, I had an interview with one child who simply said to me, we're not coming out better. 
this has affected children in so many ways. It, we open the story with this mass arrest. The, the children involved in that, many of them had to go to counseling. They were lucky enough to get settlements from uh, the county where there was money earmarked for counseling. But I talked to them and they had bad dreams. They were scared they were going to get picked up at school and arrested again at any moment. Um, there was another young man we spoke to who was kept for four days and denied his medication for bipolar. Uh, after he was released, uh, he was put on house arrest and he tried to commit suicide three times in the coming year. So the impact on this children is real, it is ever present and it is wide ranging. Is this still happening? And have there been any repercussions for the people who put this policy in place? There have been no repercussions except for the settlement. Uh, some of this has been stopped thanks to federal judges intervening. When lawyers have brought class action lawsuits, they have forced the filter system to stop. They have forced solitary confinement to stop. But the architects of this system are still in power. The judge is still the judge. The jailer is still the jailer. And there's also other mechanisms of oversight that are woefully inadequate that we outline in the story. Uh, just one example is the Tennessee Department of Children's Services. They licensed juvenile jails across the state. They inspected this facility twice a year and never once did they flag this illegal system. And it was right there in black and white in the manual for this facility. So yes, there's been some consequences as far as money and payouts to families, but the architects are still there and the systems of oversight are still inadequate. Such important reporting. Maribah Knight of Nashville Public Radio, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so that's a little bit more behind uh, what you may have seen in your newsfeed, like in, because I've seen it's mostly like memes and just um, screenshots of the headline. And I thought maybe let's let's t take a little bit more of a look at this um, this Judge Donna Scott Davenport individual, you know, because like I think that yes, she does smile very weird, and yes, she does appear to just have that haircut. Of course, she most certainly does. I'll turn the screen share back on because she does certainly just show smooth the fuck up with that haircut it's real easy to um kind of laugh at the meme and you know like agree with what folks are saying like oh you ain't supposed to do that that's systemic racism you know but it's like well let's really get into it you know like how everything that she has done has all been within the system whether you like it or not it's all been in the system right we have where she got educated bachelor's degree master's degree doctorate here jurisprudence all system 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 georgetown university co-founding rogers and scott private law practice right um uh, juvenile private court referee magistrate in the system 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 all right um Appointed to the Rutherford County Juvenile Court, uh, which was made in 1999, in the system, a juvenile court, that's the system, systemic racism, right? Became referee Donna Scott Judge Davenport, um, right? Uh, 
appointed by Governor Bill Haslam. I'm pretty sure governors are part of the fucking system. The system, system, system. <laughs> right? Um, and then all the people that came up in that Murfreesboro post, that's all in the system. So now... It's not just this story, but it's that systemic racism. There are Judge Davenports all over the place. Every fucking county, every fucking state are Judge Davenports in the system. It is systemic. (laughs) All right, folks. And those were the um, show notes that I had to dive into. I mean, I think I was uh, riffing with, uh, with Matt Loco. Not really riffing as much, trying to trying to catch back up with things, and um, I was riffing with the um, with the homie loco, uh, Doctor Mo, a couple of days ago as well. Doctor Mo, Doctor Mo, hit me up. Come on the program, Matt Loco. We got to figure it out. Uh, maybe we catch one of those evenings again where um, we both don't have much to worry about. I do have a uh, an unexpected day off coming up here uh, for Wednesday, so yeah, maybe uh, get, get get a riff on. All right, winecellarmedia.kizom. <laughs> Recording stopped.